Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Worship in spirit and truth. To be true worshipers, those that you diligently seek, those that please your heart, We know that apart from your spirit, nothing we do can facilitate true worship. So we trust you. We look to you. Do what only you can do as we do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. What is true worship? As you know, in our discipleship cross, We've been looking at the keys to being a disciple. We said the first one is to love Jesus personally. And we said the main way we love Jesus personally is through worship, as we worship God. Where if worship is so important, if worship is primary to loving God, then how should we worship? What is worship? So I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud, but to yourself. What is worship? When you think of worship, what do you think of? Well, preacher, worship is is singing praises to God. (laughs) Lifting up our voices. Worship is coming in here and preaching. We call this the worship center. Worship is praying. And if your answer is like this, one of these, I would say you're absolutely wrong. What do you mean? Well, you can sing praises to God and not be worshiping. Remember the Pharisees? Oh, they prayed a lot. They read their scriptures a lot. They wouldn't worshiping God. You can pray and not worship. You see, worship is apparently different in God's mind than what you and I tend to think of worship. Now today we're going to see what God says is true worship. It's my desire, though, that we not only see what true worship is, but we actually experience true worship. And so as we go through today, our heart, our desire... It's for you to experience true worship as you see what it is. Now, in order to be involved in true worship, we saw a few weeks ago that there must be some preparation. If we're going to be true worshipers, we need to make preparation. We can't just run in and expect to worship. And so let's, first of all, make some preparations to prepare ourselves for true worship this morning. I told you a true worshiper is, first of all, one who has a love relationship with Jesus. One who's been purchased through the blood of the Lamb. One who has been redeemed from their slavery to sin and been adopted into God's family. One whose sins are forgiven. So first, the question's got to be, do you have this love relationship with Jesus? Can you say this morning, 
Not that you know about Jesus, but that you know Him personally. That you have a relationship with Him. That you have invited Him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Let's take a few moments just for you to bow before God. And if you've not entered into this personal relationship, I want to give you an opportunity to do so in these moments of silence. Okay, let's pray. Amen. I also told you, secondly, a true worship is one who is in fellowship with Jesus. Not only do you have a love relationship with Him, but you're in fellowship. And that involves two things. First of all, there's no unconfessed sin in your life. You are confessed up, as they say. Just confess them as a dozen, the old preacher said. So just be confessed up. Are you? Have you brought every sin that you realize you have committed or are committing that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind? Have you brought that before God? Maybe even this morning you had an argument with your spouse. Maybe a crossword. Have you confessed that to God? So I want to give you a few moments now just to do business with God. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, show you, if there are any Sins you need to bring before God. To confess means to admit to God it's wrong. And it means to purpose to forsake it. A crucial part of true worship is confessing and coming before God with a clean heart. Okay? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to search us, to show us any sin in our life that we need to confess to bring before you, appropriating your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Secondly, to be in fellowship with God, you need to be faithfully serving Him. Are you faithfully serving God? Are you doing what He's called you to do? Are you doing so joyfully? Are you doing so depending on Him? Or is there some resentment, some hostility about, well, God, I don't want to do it, but if I have to, I will. Let's pause again and you just ask the Lord to show you if your service to Him is at the level He would have it to be. Let's pray. Amen. The third thing I said to you, a true worshiper is one who has intimacy with Jesus. One who takes time to come into the presence of God. Worship takes time. Something we don't seem to think we have much of. We want to run into God's presence, say our little prayer, and run out. Wonder why we don't experience true worship. As I said to you a few weeks ago, we need to take time just to focus, to realize we're entering into the presence of the God of the universe. 
entering into the heavenly holy of holies. As we do that this morning, just let me walk you through a time of focusing on God. Just getting the distractions of the day, of the week. All of us have things that have happened. Stuff has happened to us. Some of us have had stuff happen today. All that stuff wants to crowd out your presence of God, crowd out your worship. Let's just take a moment and get ourselves focused on God. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. You know how many things are competing for our attention this morning. How many distractions there are in our lives that just distract us from you. And from realizing we're in your presence. Just take your distractions. Take that stuff and just give it to God. He can handle it. Just give it to Him. And just focus. Nothing is more important in this world for you in this moment than for you to focus on your God. So put everything aside. And for this next hour, just focus on your God. Holy Spirit, make us aware of God's presence. That we are indeed entering into the throne room of heaven even while we're here in Mableton. We ask you to stand and give your attention to the screens as I read the Scriptures. Just stand in respect for the Word of God. Just look at the screen as I read from Revelation. Chapter 4, verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and because of Your will they existed and were created. You may be seated. In this passage we today, we first of all see the nature of worship, and then we see five characteristics of true worship. Now the first thing we see is the nature of worship, and we must realize that worship is an inward disposition not just some outward acts. That's why when, if you thought worship is singing songs and praying and hearing preaching, that's not necessarily worship because those are outward acts. 
Worship is the inward disposition of our hearts toward God. In fact, the Greek word for worship is the word proskuneo, and it's made up of the prefix pros, which means toward, and the word kuneo, which means to kiss. Now, in the ancient Greek, it was used of blowing a kiss toward a deity or an idol. Now, it seems to me that we immediately recognize the heart nature of worship when we see this word, to kiss toward. What is a kiss an expression of? It's an expression of our love, right? It's an expression of our heart. We kiss people we love. And so when the Holy Spirit takes this word and 51 times in the New Testament uses it for worship, I think God is saying to us clearly that worship is first and foremost a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our love for God. That worship is to be absorbed in God. Worship is to be caught up in God. Worship is a love affair with God. Now, worship, as I'll define it for you, worship is the honor, the glory, the praise, and the exaltation of the Creator, the Sustainer, the Savior, and the Paraclete. That, I believe, is a true definition of true worship. Now, what are the five characteristics of this inward heart attitude of true worship? We see it in our passage today. First one is awe. A sense of awe. Look in verse 8 at these four living creatures. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty who was and is and is to come. They are awestruck with God. They have seen and are taken up with His greatness. They stand amazed and are taken back by His majesty. They say, holy, holy, holy. And you know in the Hebrew culture, when you really wanted to emphasize something, you repeated it. And the third emphasis was the greatest way. Holy, holy, holy. You remember, holiness means otherness, separateness. God is totally other. He alone is the Creator. Everything else, creatures. He alone is absolute purity. He is separate from all. There is none like Him. Infinitely pure. He alone is eternal and majestic. An absolute perfection. His greatness is beyond our imagination. And we should come into His presence with a sense of awe at how great is our God. Now when God wants to talk about His greatness and explain it to us, what He does is He takes something that we consider to be great 
And then he shows us how much greater he is than that. Now, what's the greatest thing you and I can think about? The heavens, right? The stars, the sky, our universe, right? Well, let me just share with you what God says over in Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens by the span. Now, the span in biblical days was the distance from the man's thumb to his little finger. Now God says, you want to look at my greatness? You want to think about my greatness? I am so great that I have measured out the heavens with the span of my hand. Now our own Milky Way galaxy is only one of billions of galaxies. But I'm just going to talk about our Milky Way galaxy for a moment. Now, if you could travel at the speed of light, that's 186,000 miles a second, that means you could travel around the Earth seven times in one second. Now, if you could travel at the speed of light, you could reach the moon in 1.2 seconds. You could reach the sun in 8.3 minutes. You know how long it would take you to get across our Milky Way galaxy traveling at the speed of light? Get to the moon in 8.3 minutes. Maybe a day? No. Maybe a year? No. What about a century? A hundred years? No. It would take you 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light just across our Milky Way galaxy. And yet God says He's measured the whole universe. By the span of His hand. We should be awestruck at how awesome our God is. We're just going to spend a moment reflecting on His greatness. Lord of all creation Of water, earth, and sky The heavens are your tabernacle Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond our galaxy You are holy In the morning, I 
of true worship is adoration, and we see that in verse 9 of our passage. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever. You see, the attitude of all leads to adoration. All leads to a great love and a great appreciation and great adoration for our God. It's usually at this point that we break out in spontaneous praise as we just adore Him in such a great way. The four living creatures break out in praise as they say glory and honor and power to God. Glory is to speak well of God. Honor is to give great value to God. And power, they ascribe power to God. Now notice, they adore God for who He is. He is holy. He is the sovereign Lord God. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. He is the Almighty One, omnipotent ruler of all things. And He is the Eternal One who was and who is and who is to come. In true worship, you adore God for who He is. You express your love, your appreciation, and your adoration 
in praise. I know when somebody is a better preacher than I am, and I want to give you an opportunity to hear just such a person. S.M. Lockridge has done a much better job at adoring God than I can, and so I want to give you just a moment to just get caught up in your adoration for God. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the lostest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a no way of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. 
The elders fall down in humility before God. Because all leads to adoration that leads to humility. When we see how great God is, we see our own weakness. When we see how great God is, we realize that He is everything and we're nothing. When we see how great He is, we're emptied of our pride. We are emptied of our self-life. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The proud will never worship God. The psalmist said that a broken and contrite spirit, that's what God desires. That's what God welcomes. We realize that we are nothing in ourselves. But in Christ, we are everything. In Christ, we have everything. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, and I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Let's see how much again, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again, amazing love, how can it be, that you my king would die for me? My joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Lift it up, amazing love. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know. joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Ask everyone to close their eyes. Make this the cry of your heart this morning. You are my king. Make it your prayer to the Lord. Let's sing.
surrendered your ambitions to Him? Your plans? Your dreams? Your possessions? Your relationships? Your family? 
Each one of them having six wings or 
full of eyes around and within. And day and night they did not cease to say. These angelic creatures were worshiping in obedience to God. Worship always involves our obedience to our God. Perhaps obedience is the acid test if we have truly worshipped. If you come out of your worship experience and there's disobedience in your life to the light that God's given you, you've not truly worshipped. Worship moves us to obedience, to obey God's will in our lives, to obey God's Word. Are you living in obedience to the light that God has given you? Has He shown you something in His Word, shown you something about your life that perhaps you need to start doing that you have not been doing? Has He shown you something you need to stop doing that you are doing and you're not living in obedience? True worship leads to obedience as we surrender our will to His will, we obey His will for us. Let's spend a moment before God. I want you to answer the question. Is your obedience up to date? Is there any area of disobedience in your life? If so, bring it before God right now. And in humility and surrender, ask God to give you the grace to obey.